Hi, it's Jared from Celtic Down Under with a uh, Spotlight Series podcast on Tyneside Number One CSC. I'm joined by Lynette, Shane, Billy, Paul, and Chris. How are you all going? Yeah, we're good, thanks. Hill, Hill. Hill. So, do you want to tell us a bit about your CSC? When the club was founded and by who? Yeah, the, the, the club was founded by Billy Scott in uh, in 1989. So it's our 30th season. Um, last year, obviously, our 30th year. The first game we went to was um, the Spartak Moscow, if I remember rightly, and I think we won 2-1. I'm not really too sure. Um, we've been based in the Tyneside Irish Centre since. Basically, the start of it really, we, uh, we've got 105, 110 members, actually 111 members, um, and that's the most we've had as far as I, I know um, in the past 30 years. We've always hovered around the, the 60, 80 mark, but we've got a 111 members at the moment. That's great. So there's been constant growth of your membership over the years? It has, yes, yeah. yeah. So when you started the CSC, how many members did you have in the first couple of seasons? I think there was about, well, I think there was 10 or 15 started off, I'm sure. Uh, Billy Scott should have the numbers, but um, I, I think it was just a small club of about 30-odd people that used to go. Ah, um, Stevie Jones, I'm not too sure whether Stevie... Stevie Jones was our ex-chairman. He was a chairman for a long time, um, but I don't think he was there from the very start. I think he joined a couple of years later. I joined in 1997, along with Billy, um, and I think you joined, when did you join, Leonard? I joined three years ago. Two, three years ago, so, um, and I think that's the same for Shane, isn't it, yeah? 2013, I think, was the first yeah. time I started coming up with them. Well, 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 Newcastle's a university city, it's, it's, so we get a lot of, over the years we've had a lot of students uh, from Ireland, Scotland, all over the world, joining the club. I mean, we've had literally hundreds and probably thousands of people come through our club over the last 30 years. So, yeah, it's it's, it's growing. It's getting better. That's good. It's a party city as well. It's a party city, yeah. So, we've constantly got um, like groups of lads over from Ireland and from different parts of Scotland and stuff like that, like on stag weekends or like birthday weekends or whatever. So, we'll have a good like walk-in um, yeah. following, you know. Just off the street, they'll come in to watch games with. So do you show games every week when they're on, or is it? And you, or do you run buses up to games, or what exactly does the CSC put on each week for the games? Well, we run buses to to every home game, um, every home league game. If it's a midweek game, and it, you know, there's usually a couple of car loads go up, but uh, it's between a 16 seater minibus to it could be up to a uh, a 30-seater you know, up to a 52, 53-seater. Um, for away games, most away games, as you know, um, are on the on the television anyway, so hope we're coming here. I mean, we've set up our, our, our flags and that for, for the Clyde game later on. Um, and we normally get, it's normally quite full, Celtic fans, when it comes to kick-off. The bigger games we'll, we'll hold upstairs, the Rangers, the semi-finals, the cup finals, we've got a function run up upstairs where we're, um, where we're sure the, the, the bigger games um, and it's normally absolutely packed out. Normally you get like 250 in the in the room for a, a decent-sized game and then downstairs there'll be more in the bar. 
quite a lively uh, setup. Sounds like it would go off when there's that many people in there. Oh, it's, good, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's always the way. Uh, so you said you've got about 111 members at the moment. Um, what's the process to become a member of the Tyneside Number One CSC, and what's the membership cost involved? Well, in the minutes, um, because it was our 30th season back in June, we reduced the cost to uh, to, to five pound a member. It's normally ten pounds, so it was half price just for this season. Um, they just fill in a, a short form with the details. Um, we give them a, a, a card. Um, we're going to try and get this online as well because we're, we're developing our, our, our website at the moment. It's, it's up and running, but we need to put content on it. Um, so hopefully they'll be able to renew online. Um, but yeah, they can just come off the street and just join, really. Um, you know, um, I always carry a supplier yeah, membership form everywhere we go, whether it's the boss or in the Irish centre. Quite well, quite well on social media platforms as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. so get a lot of interest, like yeah. of people on social media. Plus, it's just yes, yeah, sorry, it's, it's just. Yeah, sorry. I guess with the memberships, have you got any? Um, is it they get a discount at the bar or any food or anything if they come in on yeah. top of that as part of the membership? Well, well with our with our membership, um, the Tyneside Number One membership, obviously we've got we've got discounts for children, um, half price, half price for senior citizens. But the Tyneside Irish Centre obviously is separate from us. Yeah. This is our home, so what, what we're encouraging. Um, the Tainted Number One members to do is to become a member of the Tainted Irish Centre, um, and once they become a member of the Tainted Irish Centre, we get a discount on on what's called a discount card. And I don't know if you, I'll show you if you want. Um, still seconds. If they become a member of, and we, we get it slightly cheaper as well. Um, that's the discount members loyalty card for. For the Irish Centre itself, yep. so encouraging, um, encouraging supporters club members to actually join the centre as well. That cap gets um, you ten percent off yeah, at the bar. Gets you ten percent off the bar, so it's well worth it. Um, it's for a membership here. It's it's usually ten pounds a year to join the centre, and it's four pounds for the discount card. Yeah. So. You know, it's, it's, it's quite good value. You'd make that just on the bar after one or two games easily. Definitely. So you said there's a bit of a um, constant influx of walk-up people because it's a university town and everything like that. So if out-of-town out members of other CSCs or people from overseas, they're more than welcome to come in and watch a game with you guys. Do you have members-only games or just is it open like that all the time? Holborn Celtic Supporters Club, they run from Middlesbrough, which is what, about 45 minutes away, and they often come up to watch the games in here, they'll just put a bus on for their members, and usually in cup final days, like bigger games, they'll do that, but some of them just jump on the train and come up themselves. We often get people messaging like the Facebook page saying that they're in Newcastle, they've been down for a weekend, or even people who are working down here midweek, and they'll message and ask, is it okay for them to come to the club? Do they need to you know, get signed in or anything? So we've got an open-door policy that we just welcome all visitors. We don't charge anything for them to come in and watch a game. It's 
like everybody's welcome. That's great to hear. Um, with the the CSC, I know that you guys do a lot of work with charities and fundraising and stuff like that. So I know there's been a lot going on. Like the first thing that made me personally aware of your CSC was the walk you did from the Irish Centre up to Celtic Park. And then I'm like, holy shit, how good are these guys? I want to know more about them. And then I've seen ongoing over the years more and more stuff you're doing. Like I know tonight you're doing a food bank drive, as I think it is. So do you want to tell us a bit about what you do in terms of fundraisers, promotions and that to, for charities. Yeah. Can I can I just interject here? Um, before we, we've actually done a walk beforehand as well, ten years ago. Um, we've done the Munros as well, the, the hills yeah. of Scotland for, for charities. So and it's been ongoing for a long time. But I'll let Lynette tell you about the walk and, and obviously the, the food bank that she does. So basically, the walk that we done was called to Paradise for Glen. And it was after one of our friends, Glenn, who was a member of the club, sadly took his own life. And it was his dad that suggested we do the walk from Tyneside Irish Centre up to Celtic Park. So we done that last August, just August gone there. Took us a week on average, we were walking about 20 miles a day. Um, it was pretty hardcore on the, the bank holiday Monday. That was one of the hottest days that we ever had, and it was one of the longest days that we were walking. So we were all told to take a bit of time out because walking in that heat was just exhausting. Um, we sort of walked up past Hadrian's Wall, walked that way, done a couple of nights in a sort of hostel type place. And then we were camping, and on the last night we got a hotel, so we were on having that night, Push sleeping in an actual, yeah, getting a proper shower and um, getting clothes ironed and things, being able to dry your hair. Um, I think I wore a baseball cap for the whole walk, because like bedhead in the morning after sleeping in the tent. But we raised as a group, like the whole to paradise for. Glenn raised just about £20,000 all in for everyone is getting sponsors. So there was two from our club, myself and Paul Rutherford done the whole walk from start to finish. But there was people who couldn't get like time off work. So they maybe done it like we had Joel Quinn, he's a member of our club, he done the first day. And the ex-chairman of our club, um, Ian McGovern, McGovern um, he joined us for a couple of days as well. Um, it was absolutely fantastic, but like very, very emotional when we got to Celtic Park. Like we were walking along London Road, and you can see Celtic Park like, right at the end, but it was like a mirage. You're walking and you're walking, and it just didn't seem to get any closer. <laughs> And then eventually we got there and there was a lot of friends and family sort of waiting to greet us. So our chairman at the time, John Boyce, and our treasurer, Gary English, both of them drove up and we had a big flag, like the Tyneside number one flag, with Glenn's name on it. So we all had a photograph taken with that. Um, Glenn's also got a paving stone 
Um, so we went to see that and then Celtic put on a tour for us to, like, obviously just at the end of the walk. They did laugh when we were in the trophy room because, like, everybody just sat on the floor. We had just walked miles that day. And we just all plumped for Bumston and the wee tour guide saying, oh, I mean, you can rest if you want. <laughs> there's yeah, us put, put you on a tour around there, make you walk around the stadium more when you just walked, what, over <laughs> 150 miles or something like that plus? Yeah, well, that's good. That's one of lovely. the most amazing experiences, one of the toughest. Um, I don't think some people realise, no, you say 20 mile a day, I was trying to train for it, but even then I was still struggling. Um, but it was absolutely the best experience and one of the most emotional ones I've ever done. But we got the message out there about mental health and obviously we made a lot of money for Tyneside and Northumberland Mind and the Celtic Foundation. It was like a 50-50 split that we done with the money. But we're obviously still fundraising, myself and Shane, Michael Foxton we all done dry January and that was also for Tyneside Mind so I've done no bad for them and we're definitely encouraging all our members to open up and talk if they've got problems and things don't ever want to see MD taking their own life again Glenn was so popular it was. It came as a shock to everybody. He really was one of the nicest okay, no guys that you could meet. He didn't have a bad bone in his body, and obviously just struggled. Um, a lot of the members in our club all seen him for the last time when Charlie and the Boys. We had hosted an event for Charlie and the Boys to come to the Irish Centre, and Glenn was at that. And for me, that was the last time I seen them. And I know that goes for a lot of the members. It just came as a complete shock. Yeah, I think everyone that's ever been touched by a suicide and knows someone who's had that, it's uh, it's not weak yeah. to speak, as the saying goes. And you can, the worst part is, like, I personally had really close friends growing up suicide, and it's like, what? Did, the worst thing for you personally is like, what didn't I see? You didn't see it coming. No one yeah. did because most people, unfortunately, it's people good. you don't expect it. So, yeah, it's um, what you've done there with the fundraising and that walk and everything for the awareness of it. I was just like, I bow down to you guys. I say, well done, keep it up. It's an amazing yeah. thing that you've done there. So from bottom of my heart, thank you for doing that for people with mental health and making people aware of it. Yeah, oh, thank you. But definitely get the message out there. So that was what we wanted. A lot of the TV stations covered it as well. No BBC came to um, footage as the, what do they call it? Um, I always want to say ITV. Time Tees TV also covered it in a couple of newspapers, done articles as well, so it definitely got publicised and the word was definitely out there, so we achieved it. So we're all proud of it as well. Shane does a drive for, for the food bank as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with, like, 
our city you know with Newcastle as a city it's, uh, it's not the most affluent city in the country um, it's very working class um, it's got a lot of social deprivation and stuff like that you know and I just you know you, you cannot help but notice like people struggling um, homeless people a lot of homeless people um, like in the city so we started um Towards the end of last season, beginning of this season, having like a, a regular um, collection of like food substances that local food kitchens could make meals up with, um, collection of clothing, um, just toiletries, you know, like things that people yeah. take uh, be the basics. Basic everyday yeah, essentials, basically. Yeah, yeah, people take for granted, you know, but you know, we've got a city full of people almost, like living on the streets, you know. So what we're trying to do is we'll we'll do the collections in the Irish Centre here, are like quite good with what they give us storage area, um, and we'll basically fill the room up until the, we've got a van full, and then I'll come and collect it all, and it all goes out to the local food banks. The the most popular ones, the People's Kitchen um, that we supply in Newcastle City Centre. So it's, it's just giving some back, you know. I mean, it's it's not, you know, like said, it's not just about football. It's about the people who you sort of socialise with. It's to real life, you know. It's helping other people who are not as fortunate as yourself. That's what the club was founded on at the end of the day. The ethos of the club was we founded yeah. as a charity to feed people. So food banks whether it's yourself, the guys at the Green Brigade do something similar, a bunch yeah. of other CSEs I've spoken to do similar stuff as well. I, I just love that about the club where everyone's like, $5 out of my pocket or a blanket here or an old jumper I don't need here, it all helps someone else. Like there's someone that's yeah. going to make their week if they just get something. So what could be the difference between them surviving a cold winter? So it's great that you guys are doing that. I think in spare, like as even as much as a pint, you know what I mean. The price of like one drink, you know what I mean. That's if you can, if you can do that. That's great. Like because obviously, you know, like people, it's a tough time of year for people as well. Like like including all members, you know, like financially. So yeah, but every every little helps, I guess. It's, yeah, so, it's great stuff. It's well received as well, you know. And he's carrying the pounds. That's right. All right, so. Just, is your CSC linked to any local football clubs in the area, like junior clubs? Do you get involved at that level with anything? or? Um, we used to. Um, but the, um, sadly, he's, he's, uh, we're no longer sort of a... Tainsey Irish FC are, are separate, and uh, a lad called John Thomas, who was uh, in the Tainsey number one, he sadly passed away a few years ago, but he, he started the Tyneside Irish um, FC here and they've sort of drifted away really um, uh, from us, but we don't really have any, much to do with them any, anymore. Do we? um, well, we're trying to open up, like we've asked for um, meetings with the Tyneside Irish Centre Committee because like our club now, we are keen to work alongside like things they've got going on but because those ties have been sort of lost that's we've, them we've been asking it's like, like rebuilding the club yeah. the roots up, you know. it was it was lost sort of through the, the, the last committee didn't really um, bother with it so the new committee is quite keen to 
to uh, to to start getting ties with them again. So yeah. That's working progress. Yeah. We've got a junior team yet. Playing hoops. Look a while ago. Um, there was talk from Paul Rutherford, he's like one of the members, he was keen to start up their own set of five or um, so that's something that's floating in the pipeline as well, maybe for the beginning of next season if a few of the members get involved with that so we'll see how that one goes It's good to hear the stuff on the go so alright, so we'll just mix it up a bit try and have a bit of fun here um, is there some? Do you have any stories you want to share from within the CSC over the years? Could be anything like someone was celebrating and fell through a wall or tripped over or just any great events that you had that you want to tell us about because it's always this is the stuff I love hearing. Because to me, I'm that far away from the Happy Center or even over the UK where it's like I just want to hear these stories. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, well, Seville, Georgie, Philadelphia, Stansted, yeah. Cancer the Fleet. No, I, I mean, I, that, that was one the UEFA Cup final that the, the Cancer were, were landed in, in the, where did we land? Newcastle to Stansted. Newcastle to Stansted, yeah. And the Cancer were flight. From Stansted to from, from Stansted to, to Malaga, wasn't it? Aye. And uh, for this way, where Stevie Jones, who used to be my chairman, nearly got arrested, he was going absolutely mental with him, saying, uh, I've waited 30 years for this final. <laughs> you know, I was saying, Calm down, Jones. He'd say, You know, we've got a week to the. To the it was a week, week, a week before, was it? But uh, we've got a lot of stories that we're, we kind of really sort of. <laughs> That's always the way. <laughs> you know, um, just just daft things really. I mean, on the ferry, I, I, I was on the top bunk in the middle of the night. I nearly broke my ankle because I didn't realise I was on the top bunk. Uh, getting off and falling about 30 foot, it felt like to the floor. But we've got we've got loads of of uh, risky ones like that. We'll not we'll not go into like uh, Union flags being replaced with Celtic flags. <laughs> um, well, there's, uh, there's, there's all, I was going to say one but, uh, I'll tell you the, the one where well, you, we went you, uh, um, South Shields um, it was the Celtic under 21s is it? Yeah, so. so we usually try and do a trip um, like last year we went to uh, Whitby so this year it was in South Shields so we're all sitting having a drink in the Irish Centre and somebody says well why don't we get the metro to North Shields and then get the ferry across to South Shields so that we could get pictures of a flag on the ferry so that sounded great but I am absolutely petrified of water no, I don't do boats don't even do pedalos they absolutely not be sick so I try to talk them out of it but no no they've made up their mind but another thing that I am absolutely petrified of is thunder and lightning so I had already made up my mind I'll just get them out go to South Shields meet you there next minute the forecast comes on thunder and lightning so I had to weigh up whether being on a metro myself and the thunder and lightning or being on the ferry We all let me friends and you know, just, how long does the ferry take? Five minutes. Literally five minutes. 
And about on ended up opting to go on the ferry. My legs were like bloody jelly, walking on to the thing. And by the time we sat on the top of the ferry, by that point I was just in floods of tears. I was so terrified. Billy sat with me. Um, I had a boyfriend, and he says, "Oh, I'll, I'll be with you. I'll look after you." The minute the camera came out, he was off. He was <laughs> posing, and I'm sat there totally traumatised. Billy looked after me, and we got off at the other end. And I physically trying to get down the stairs to the top bit of the ferry. My legs were shaking that bad. That's how much I fear I've got. But I didn't even realise myself how traumatised I looked until the photographs started going about that they took once we got off the ferry. And I just looked green and I've got this absolute fake smile plastered on my face. (laughs) Everybody was laughing. They thought it was hilarious because I was so, so traumatised. We literally got to South Shields and then the thunderstorm started. So I ended up inside in the pub away at the back just keeping out the road here, but no, it was quite funny, we had a good laugh I'm laughing at it now because when we were doing the walk to paradise a lot of the practice walks started in North Shields and my boyfriend lived in uh, South Mill, literally South Shields and he says we'll get the ferry across and I'm like oh my god here we go again, but I've totally bossed it now, I can go on it without crying so that's progress um, but as it was, it's funny now, it's funny sitting here talking about it because I'm not on that boat but they've made up songs about it instead of being what was it uh, wish I was back home in Derry or the last thing I wish I was on the Shields ferry <laughs> me and I'm like yeah not funny I mean we had a chairman Stevie Jones who was a he's a bit of a character to say the least and I remember one one day it was a cup final, and we're all excited. And we're meeting outside the Irish club and getting the bus. Stevie says, "Just pick pick us up with me girlfriend." So uh, you know we're all excited. Now that was a lovely hot day. Stevie Jones comes out. He's like still half asleep, you know, hungover. Gets on with his shorts on. Gets on the bus. The bus starts to pull away. Stevie, Stevie, have you got the tickets? <laughs> Tickets. Oh shit! I, I thought I forgot some. You know, he wasn't even bothered what to come all the way back to get the tickets and all that. And one thing I noticed for well, that trip, his girlfriend was was it June in the May. She still had a Christmas tree. There's loads of little stories like that we could tell, but there's a lot of them that I I'm not really fit for the podcast. But, um, stood guard is not. Yeah, the way you don't want to incriminate each other, that's the best way. I understand that. Stuttgart is one. He made a bit of a mess in someone's room. Diarrhea is a terrible thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. We'll not not go there. Wait, wait, wait. He was sharing, to to give you a little bit of that, he was sharing with someone who's, we used to call Pretty Boy. He was sharing a room with him. And uh, Pretty Boy went in the toilet to get a shower the, the morning after the game in Stuttgart um, but Stevie Jones had already been in with his diarrhoea and it was literally all over the walls and everything. oh man so that's right we had a, <laughs> so we had pretty boy knocking on our, our door can saying I say, can, I can, shower? can I use your shower <laughs> <laughs> well, what a mad chairman there like Stevie Jones <laughs> lives in Spain 
<laughs> There's a nice little one for him if he ever listens there. Uh, we'll, we'll send that one. <laughs> All right. So have you ha- ever had any uh, former players or famous fans come in to watch a game with you guys at the CSC? I think Mike Rennie should come in. Yeah, we've had a few. Yeah, yeah. I think mean, Mike Rennie used to live in Gateshead. He should just go over the town here. He should come in for a few games, watch the games real quick. Yeah. And, and normally functions, obviously, we've had most of the Lisbon lines down so, over the air. And, uh, and, and, and actually, in fact, Bobby Murdoch, God bless him, um, the, the, the last supporter's function he came to was the Tyneside number one um, yeah, before, he, before he passed away. I don't know if it was Billy this one. Was last one. Last one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've had. We had Alan Thompson at the 30th. Yeah, And we've got John Harpson coming um, just towards the end of May. Yeah. He's yeah. coming down. Johnny. Yeah. We've had Lee um, Griffiths down and. Um, Lee Griffiths And Kev. William McStay has been down. Had a, a few of them. Yeah. Um, Willie's been. Willie McStay's there, you said? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's a. Uh, one of the guys on our podcast is really good friends with him, so he's based up in Brisbane, so it's a really small world, that. Yeah. yeah. We've had people like Kevin Dudges as well in watching yeah. the game. Um, a few Newcastle ex-players have been in, but I'm not really clued up. Tommy Cassidy is an ex-Newcastle player. I think he's from Dublin originally. John Anderson. And John Anderson. Another Irishman. Ex-Newcastle player. Jenkins Smith. Jim Smith. I used to be a taxi driver. Jimmy Smith. Again, he was absolutely loved by the Newcastle. Well, yeah, we've had we've had a few over the years, like mainly for functions. We have them down like for functions. So what we'll do to, um, before we end this, because I know there's a game coming up soon, so you got to start getting into the swing of things for that. <laughs> it, we'll just go round the everyone who's there and just want to tell me what your most memorable match that you've ever seen Celtic players and why it's the most memorable. Billy, do you want to go first? Well, I think Seville final. That whole week was brilliant. He went to Spain and he was there for a week. Fantastic. It was a really hot day as well. Um, from my point of view, I would probably, I would gun the 6-2 game um, at home to, to Rangers. It's unbelievable. Like, you know, like, obviously that I've never witnessed like Rangers being turned over like that by Celtic like you know and you live through like the, the sort of barren years and stuff like that but that would be like the the game that I was like actually in attendance but my favourite game of all time was the Love Street 5-0 five, five I wasn't actually at the game I was just a kid you know but uh, that was my me, me favourite game I mean to turn the hearts unbeaten all season you know and then have a kid Two goals and Celtic went 5 0. Trophy's ours. Unbelievable. Unbelievable day. Um, I'm, I'm Chris. Um, it's got to be stopping the 10. Um, I was there. I was, I was actually at the 6 2 game. Um, I was at the 5 1 game as well, Lugo. But for me, to be at, at a game was probably stopping the 10. Uh, for the simple reason I'd fell out with my younger brother six months earlier. Over a daft argument about Harold Bradback, because we and it was at fisticuffs with him, and I never spoke to him, and he sat next to me, and as soon as 
Henrik scored that goal. We were hugging each other and all that, and just stopping, stopping them. The ten for me. I was at Seville, and um, you know, been, been a lot of memorable games, but stopping the ten, beat a few cup, quite a few cup finals over the years, but stopping the ten for me. That. I've I've got two because I went to one, and you're talking about way back in the eighties, um, when we still had the jungle. And me and my friend went to a Celtic and Rangers match. I was allowed to go. I had got tickets, but she wasn't. And the two years went because for I says them, but maybe you get caught. Oh yeah, the two years were on telly and she get grounded. <laughs> um, but one of the recent memorable games was my first European game. And all the games that I've ever been to at Celtic, I have never ever been to a European game. And it was Zenit. And we had won that night and we had the disco lights on and I was just mesmerised by the whole atmosphere because it's something different and so it's like compared to a home game like on a weekend, like a league game, you know, when you're playing like Champions League European games, it, the atmosphere was just electric. So that for me was like really special. Um, what about you? Tom? I mean, a lot of games I've been to, I... One South of Park was close for the Commonwealth Games. We played with a qualifier at Hamden Park. And a couple were drove up. I mean, great laugh. We're stuck in the car park afterwards. After winning the game, we're stuck in the car park for about an hour and a half. Just everybody singing Celtic songs. Worst experience is when we got beat up Kilmarnock in the cup final. Anytime we go up and win to win, we just enjoy ourselves. That's all I can say. I actually, when um, we had that last, no, no, the last Rangers game, it would have been the one before that. I was in hospital having surgery the day before, and I thought, hmm, this might not be a good idea, but decided to go with it and went up. And that was when they had that big crush that went on. So we ended up having to climb walls to go over past the graveyard to get in, like, sort of, what you call that, Jane? Yeah, but in the process of climbing walls, I popped a few of my stitches. So by the time I had got into the stadium, the police stopped me because I had blood on me, asking me was I okay, and I thought, yeah, I just had surgery and I've just climbed the walls, and so very stupid, but it's worth uh, it. We'll beat them. <laughs> beat them anyway. It was I've my just, phone. I've just thought of another one. Celtic 2 Dundee 1 when we, when we clinched the league 1988 when we, when we clinched the league, league title at Celtic Park I, I took a um, younger brother up he was 14 at the time and there was supposed to be 60,000 I think 68,000 was there there's got to be at least 100,000 in that stadium it's up to the old Celtic Park got, got to be but uh, that was another memorable game that, that was a brilliant uh, day as well like. so yeah Moving about to one of the other ones that I was doing a record, I recorded over the weekend. It's it, that question I love because to each individual person, it can be the same game, but it can be for a different reason, or it can be something like, like I was at a pub once where there was twelve, about twelve or fifteen people there, and this was a game where Nakamura scored against Man United, and for me. That game, any time I th- see that goal, it just gives me the goosebumps and makes me think of what I went through and experienced then. But then you can be at a pub where there's 200 people, like when Roderick scored the goal against Aberdeen to get the, uh, the, the invincible treble, and it's the same result. I still feel the same about it, but huge crowd, little crowd, but it's more about what you feel in that moment that makes it yeah. memorable to you. So that's why I love that question. 
Uh, all right. So what we'll do just to end it off is um, just plug the socials for the Tyneside Number One CSC. So on Facebook and Instagram, you can search them under Tyneside Number One CSC, and on Twitter, it's at Tyneside Number One. Give yep. give them a follow. Get involved. Uh, here you got some. Coming up soon, we're just waiting in that. We've sort of created the, web, the website, but we need to just populate it now with some information. So that should hopefully be going live. So we'll get that plastered over social media when that is up and running. So we're looking at selling like merchandise. That's what I was about to ask. Was on the website, are you going to have the merch? Because I see you got you put something up about like polos and jumpers, and you've had scarves previously, and I'm like. Even all the way over here, I'd contemplate getting a polo or a, or a hoodie or something sent over. So, yeah, definitely keen. So, uh, that's on there. Perfect. Uh, we'll definitely have that all up and running in the next couple of weeks. That should be going live. Um, so, we'll be doing that. We'll be doing, like, hopefully podcasts as well. Um, and a few, no, different people. Yeah. What um, else? Just stories, like... Uh, uh, people know like basically what you've asked us there that's what we've asked all our members to do is like do a story about how they found out about the club and um, some experiences but what match day reports and things so hopefully it'll be good that when we get it all finalized yeah. but we're getting there it's just the last few bits where we're adding to it and then it'll be good to go it's good. I'm looking forward to it. Keep an eye out for it. So, yeah. everyone, give the guys a follow. And uh, thanks yeah. for your time. Lynette, Shane, Billy, Paul and Chris, appreciate it. Thank you very Thank you much. Sports Social Podcast Network.